0: You're listening to Real Folk with me Joe Burke. Welcome Anna Kennedy to Real Folk and uh, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. I was thinking of how to introduce you to our (laughs) listener and um, I was, uh, I I mean educator obviously, um, but also you've got the old OBE and also you're a Strictly contestants So, you know They're just like My favourite things in the world (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: Strictly It's just like I can't believe It It was six years this week When we were on We were at Earl Street Studios Was Uh, it really? Yeah, six years I can't believe it It's just like And what the wonderful thing is thats that We've all still remained friends The six of us That took part And they never ever did it again They were going to do it uh, Actually the year Following year but, But apparently It cost far too much and um, we were supposed to be
0: mentors for the next um, contestants, but they just never did it again because they said it actually cost too much. It was such a such a good thing to do because it was all just real people. And, and it was amazing to see the journeys that you all went on as well. And you were with um, oh one of my favourites. I've forgotten his name now. How rude. What was it? Robin. Robin Windsor. Robin!
1: Yes! I'll tell you a funny story about forgetting his name. I told him. I didn't tell him until a year after. But what we did was we had what was called the reveals and um, that was um, going to be filmed. So um, I had to go to um, a part of London in a restaurant and they filmed me like walking down the road, going into the restaurant. I had to do that so many times. (laughs) Up, And then we went I went into the restaurant, sat down. And then a girl came out and did some Charleston and then there was a few more girls came out and then they huddled in a group and then Robin jumped out and he had a feather boy on and I looked at him and I thought, oh, I couldn't remember his name. I thought they're filming me. I thought, oh my God, what am I going to say? So I just went, hello, dance partner. (laughs) (laughs) Then I told him a year after and he went, oh my God, I can't believe it. So uh, yeah, so he was amazing. I loved it. I think... um, Uh, Well, for me personally, I think I had the best partner. He was just so lovely. He taught me about fun. I'd forgotten all about how to have fun because I'm so focused on what I do all the time. You know, I'm very passionate driven. And he reminded me of what it's like to have fun. And then we we did this thing where, because I was doing the Charleston, uh, we had to do lots of facial expressions. And I found that really, really hard. So um, we spent the whole day in the mirror. And he said, right, you're not Anna anymore. You're Betsy. So um I thought, right, okay. So um I was Betsy and we were just doing facial expressions. The laughter we had, the pair of us doing it. And then um uh, Max Brannan, um as in Jake Wood, he was my mentor. Yes. Doing facial expressions with him as well. We just like we were crying with laughing, um, but I managed to sort of crack it in the end and overcome my inhibitions about making funny faces.
0: That's that's the perfect way to to learn how to. Make yourself a bit of a fool, isn't it, with old Robin Windsor and the Strictly team?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was lovely. And then we did a Strictly group number as well, which was amazing. So we were with um, Jeanette Manrara, Ali Ash. Oh, I love her! I, I know, love her. She is lovely. Um, she's definitely a little pocket rocket. <laughs> um, yes. And then there was Ian, and then we had the judges. And that's when um, Craig couldn't be a judge, but we met him the. Two weeks before at Wembley to show him how far we had got, we were absolutely bricking it, all of us. <laughs> we were thinking, I oh, bet. my God, we're going to be dancing in front of um, Craig. And uh, he, you know what? He was so lovely. And um, he gave us some lots of tips and all the rest of it. And then that was when Anton was the first time. He was a judge on um, Strictly. And the exciting thing was that Robin and I got four tens. We couldn't believe it. Um, and Robin was over the moon because he'd never got
0: 10s before. <laughs> Oh, well, that's what it took you, Anna, you see. He needed you to help him get those (laughs) 10s. It was so wonderful. And the backing of
1: the autism community... Because what I was doing was we did it over a period of three months. Obviously, we were filming and taking photographs and all that. And there were certain things that you weren't supposed to share, but I was bit really naughty. And I I was sharing a (laughs) few bits and bobs. And um, the whole of the autism community were following me on my journey. And then I remember when uh, we did four shows, it was uh, four different shows on the the, um, BBC, and it was for comic relief. Basically, it was our backstories, the history of the dance that we were learning, um, how we were getting on, all those sort of things. It was, and that's what made it interesting as well for a lot of people that was watching. And then on the actual final programme, obviously it was the real thing in the in the studio in front of 880 people. And um, yeah, the, when it was on television, um, my social media was going bonkers. It's like, go Anna and Robin. Um, I think I had something like 3 million retweets and um, impressions. Oh. It was just like totally bonkers.
0: Yeah. And thank goodness they managed to do it last year as well. It was so needed, wasn't it?
1: Oh, I loved it. I love all the sparkle, the costumes. I like to watch how people progress with their dancing as well. How the yeah. relationships form as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good.
0: It's just something that we all needed, a bit of normality, wasn't it? And um, I know we've got carried away with Strictly, and uh, I knew we would because I'm a massive, massive Strictly fan. And uh, obviously, you being on it and knowing all the insider detail is too is too much for me. My head's about to explode. Oh. Um But um, your your main um, drive and the reason that you ended up actually on Strictly was because of all your work educating people and specifically educating them about. Autism, which is something your son has, I believe. I've got two sons, actually, that are on the spectrum. So Patrick, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Patrick's 31 now. I
1: can't believe he's 31. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's got a diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome. And Angelo is 27. And he's quite profoundly affected by his autism and sensory processing condition and has nocturnal epilepsy hence why a lot of people see me up in the middle of the night on social media because Angela doesn't sleep very
0: much oh my goodness and so when I obviously part of these um podcasts that I'm doing it's about you know finding out about the real person and I know obviously lots of people especially since you've been on Strictly you've got this massive fan base now and lots of people know you um for what you've done with autism and educating and 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 getting your OBE, which is amazing, but what people might not know so much about is maybe your background. You know how you were brought up and when you found out that each of your children had some um, some difficulties and and what drove you to change things. Yeah, uh, well, you probably picked
1: up my accent. Um, I'm from the northeast. Um, I I was born in Middlesbrough. But my parents are Italian. Oh, right. Yeah, and my parents are Italian. Very strict Italian dad. Didn't really want me to. I started tap dancing when I was five years old, and I I kept tapping my feet under the desk at school all the time. And I used to drive the teacher mad. And then she said to my mom, There's a tap dancing class just up the road from the school this just showed you how old I was. It was sixpence a class. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So we had to go down into a cellar. um, And that's where I learned how to tap dance. I absolutely loved it. I loved the rhythms. What I used to do was in, in the olden days, I used to have twin tub washing machines and I used to love the beat of the washing machine and I used to make up tap dance steps to the beat of the washing machine. And then um, my, oh, mom, my mom had lino and I used to wear the lino down all the time. But um, yeah, my dad didn't want me to dance. Uh, he just he just didn't want that. Um, he wanted me to learn to play the piano. Um, so I, I did learn to play the piano, but I did it until I was about 11. But then because I felt that um, I did enjoy playing the piano, but then he wanted me to stop dancing. So then I dug my heels in and I said, I didn't want to play the piano anymore. Uh, anyway, in the end, I'm, I, I kick myself now because I wish I'd have carried on with the piano and doing the dancing. But I think I was just like rebelling. <laughs> <laughs> because You yeah. It, yeah, that sort of, you know how you are as a teenager. So, um, yeah, so I did stick to the dancing, even too much to my dad's, you know, horror. Um, and it was my mom that pushed me uh, to do it as well because she loved it. She was a seamstress. She used to make all my costumes. Oh, I won a lot of tap dancing um, uh, competitions because um, we used to do them all across the northeast. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh wow! So you were one of those families that you so you sort of hoofed it around the northeast then with your mum doing all your costumes that's amazing yeah so um
1: that was um, great that was my escapism I, um and the reason because my dad was so strict and I wasn't allowed to go to my friend's house all that sort of thing so um yeah and then um I met my husband Sean when I was working at Winniebanks Community Centre and um, uh, what I was doing there, which is quite ironic, was I was actually in a youth club uh, working and supporting people with special educational needs, which um, is, a bit, you know, like almost destiny. that um, What I'm doing yeah. now. Um, and then my husband uh, went to Brunel University and he didn't want to leave me behind. But my dad didn't want me to go to London. Um, so I left home with 20 pounds and a suitcase. A whole
0: 20 yeah.
1: pounds. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was waiting for me at King's Cross Station. My dad was furious. Yeah, then we um, we lived on campus. We just hardly had any money. And like my husband was working at night at Tesco's filling shelves. And we used to get all the... Um, my mum did that. Oh, did she? And then we got yeah, all the cheap to do food that. at the end. That <laughs> We lived on like uh, things that were going out. Yeah, broken biscuits. Day. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I worked at Woolworths, and then I was teaching dance in the evening. So, yeah, that's how we sort of uh, went from day to day, really. And But um, Dad didn't speak to me for about six months because he said uh. that, you know, I'd hurt the family and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I went back to visit my mom, and my dad was cleaning the car, and um, then he just gave me a hug and, and everything was okay. But, um, yeah, but um, I suppose he sort of moulded me in a way because he's always saying about, You know, when you go out, always hold your head up high, be proud, always give everything that you've got when you're doing stuff. I sort of took that with me and I'm very driven. I'm very enthusiastic about stuff that I do. I don't like it when people tell me no. I suppose that's from when I was younger as well. I'll find a way to, uh, yeah, yeah, that somebody's going to open the door for me or to say yes. Yeah, you just keep banging. You do. And then I think it's my children that have, um, again, really sort of, make me have this drive inside of me because obviously when they were both diagnosed and then I was trying to find the right school for them there wasn't anywhere and no one seemed to care about people or children with autism over 22 years ago I know things are a little bit better now but still parents are struggling and fighting for all the milestones through their children's lives so whether it's diagnosis whether it's trying to find the right type of school whether it's transition in adulthood you know it's almost like oh the They don't need any support now. They're 18. Well, of course they do. It's a lifelong condition. My job, I think now is what I do, is I try and create opportunities uh, wherever I can or platforms or, um, yeah, I'm I'm doing a petition at the minute because obviously everything that's going on within COVID, parents are worrying about what's going to happen to their kids when they're dead and gone. And in the social care system, there's not that much going on and local authorities don't even know, you know, which parents are looking after their adults at home. I think it was something like one in four local authorities um, know which parents are looking after their adults or children at home. That's Uh,
0: terrible, isn't it? And actually, Talking about that as well, I um, I happened to um, watch a couple of weeks ago when it was on Katie Price's documentary with her son Harvey. Yeah. And who should pop up, Anna, but you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I met Katie a
1: few years ago and we started chatting on social media and then I introduced her to Autism's Got Talent, which she absolutely loves. And Harvey just, was his eyes were just like he was listening and you know, and he had his iPad and he was recording stuff and he was just enjoying the whole experience and he presented um, one of our acts, Daniel, who's now one of my ambassadors. And um, from then on, um, she started telling me about the trolling and the bullying that Harvey had been receiving. So he became our anti-bullying ambassador. And talking about that today, Katie's um, actually um, launching a new petition. She is going to, um, because he's still getting horrific trolling. It's just like Oh, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's since um COVID and lockdown, that more people have gone onto social media and the bullying has got worse. I've got parents messaging me about, you know, bullying on in online because our children and adults are trying to make friends, um, you know, mm. in the community, um, also at school at lunchtime is the most prevalent time. It's shocking isn't it? It is and what Katie's trying to do is she's trying to find somewhere for Harvey now because he's nearly 19 and obviously the school mm. that he's had um, the education finishes there so she's looking for somewhere. And I said you need to start early and she didn't realize how early she had to start and I said transition is key for Harvey now and yeah. you're not going to find um, a college that's off the shelf you know because he's got so many um, disabilities and health related issues. I said you're going to have to try and find somewhere and um, so she started searching And obviously now you can't visit places because of lockdown. It's all virtual, but she wants to go and visit the college itself. So she's managed to see somewhere that she feels that will be appropriate for Harvey, which is the National Star College. And um, she's got to fight for the funding now. However, I said to her, three hours away from where you live. And I said, "Um, the only thing I'm saying is that if he's finding it difficult, and um, obviously Harvey has um, challenging behavior, you know, he can hurt himself Mm -hmm. and, I said, you know, if something happens or he's, he's unhappy or what have you, you know, they can come in and take him off to the mental health unit. I said, you're three hours away. It's going to take him once. I said, once he gets sectioned or anything like that, I said, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to prepare you for what's out there. Um, and she said, I never even thought about that. So I introduced her to a, some parents that, you know, where this had happened, sadly, to their their children and their adults. And, you know, they've been locked away, miles away from where they lived and, you know, they were in there for like oh, 18 awful. months, two months. Oh, there's some really, really horrendous stories. And again, that's why I'm pushing the petition, because I want to know when I'm dead and gone that my sons... It's not going to happen. Yeah, that they're okay. And it, and when I started sharing about this, this is the question and the worry at the back of a lot of parents' minds. You know, it keeps them up at night, you know. So I said, you need to start preparing yeah. Um, you know, check out the MenCap website. They've got lots of information on there about trusts as well. Set up a trust so that social services doesn't come in and take all your money. There are some really, really fantastic, you know, services out there for adults, but there really are not so nice services at well. So, you know, we need to yeah. make sure that, you know, we prepare our kids so that they can navigate this complicated world as best
0: possible yeah I mean it's you've done a, such an amazing job because I mean clearly you I, I know you said it's it's a very strange coincidence that right at the beginning of your of your life with your when you met your husband you were working helping others and and um you know it seems like it's come full circle or was some sort of prophecy yeah <laughs> um but uh pre- presumably obviously when you had your children th- what age was it when you started to realize that um that there was difficulties that, that, that they were behaving um sort of in a different way to to what you w- would have expected
1: um well i had two very difficult pregnancies i had preeclampsia and toxemia from both pregnancies with patrick i had him really really early uh 11 weeks so he was only two pounds oh, when wow. he was born so <gasps> that's why i thought he had a lot of difficulties because of everything that he'd been through um, he then, you know, once he, uh, eleven weeks after being in Skabu, he was in and out of hospital all the time. You know, he got um, septicemia. Um, he used to, he had rickets. He had glue ear. There was just like one thing after another. And I thought those were the difficulties that he was having with socializing with other children was why he was finding it difficult. Um, he's very glued to me all the time. I used to go out in the evening um, to work at a doctor's answering service, and he he was, he was like someone possessed didn't want me to, to go out, wanted me to be at home, but obviously you know, I had to work um, because obviously my boys were at home at the time. So Patrick was diagnosed at four. I didn't find out until he was seven uh, by accident because the um, hospital paediatrician didn't tell me. And all those years that he was struggling at school, being bullied as well, um, we were going to see a therapist um, because Patrick was struggling so much. And the therapist. So hang on,
0: you found out at four. So they they know they knew that what he had at four, and you yeah. weren't told until he was seven.
1: That's right. That's what. I, um, and all those years of me struggling, trying to get him into school, screaming and kicking, getting hold of the steering yeah. wheel. Um, I had to spend so many days at the school just sitting in reception with him or yeah so then because of all the difficulties that, that he was having the school said that they couldn't meet his needs so that's when we had a meeting so the therapist that we were seeing as a family she couldn't make the meeting so she put a report together and on this report then the very first sentence I always remember it said um, Patrick was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in 1994 and then I couldn't concentrate on the rest of the meeting because no. I thought- well, I didn't know this. And I, this, I remember the head teacher, actually, Mrs. Doherty, who had 11 children, said to me, "Wow, Why didn't you tell us, Mrs. Kennedy? I said, oh, because I've just found out now the same as everybody else. And I felt this like rush of blood go from my feet to my head. And I just couldn't concentrate on the rest of the meeting. And why I knew what Asperger's was, because Angelo had been diagnosed with autism six months before that meeting. So I'd been researching about autism and that's when I came. So, in
0: actual fact both of your sons had been diagnosed one yeah. sorry one that you were Angelo who you were on the case with and two you and knew. a half yeah but but you're yeah but seriously that's appalling it is and
1: then afterwards I kept thinking what did I do wrong to do anything wrong and these are the things that parents do think at of the course. beginning and I thought well I don't drink and I don't smoke and you know, I I can't, I don't take any tablets or anything like that apart from blood pressure tablets, Mm. which I've always taken. And I just thought, but then afterwards, when you start researching, there's nobody to blame. And in my opinion, there's lots of different opinions out there, but because it's a developmental condition, I believe it's hereditary. And I can actually see it through, you know, my husband's family. Uh, My husband was diagnosed quite a few years ago. It was almost like a bomb that went off in my head, but then with no sound I can't I can't really explain it to you but then I thought for a person like me I just thought right okay what what do I need to do so that's when I was reading Mm. about everything and then I thought oh it's all about early intervention that's how crucial it is the earlier you start working with children the better the outcomes so I started becoming like a mini expert and obviously I was an expert on my boys because I was with them all the time. So then I started meeting other parents because I was told at the time as well that when my both boys were diagnosed that they were the only two boys that were in Hillingdon that had autism. And I thought, surely not. And that's when I bumped into another parent whose son was diagnosed. She, Her son was having a um, a real upset in the in the middle of the road. And I sort of recognized it. And I went up to her and said, is there anything I can do to help you? And that's when we started chatting. And then all these other families started coming out of the woodwork. And then we set up um, yeah. a charity. Um, and then we started, you know, our boys were at home for three years because there was nowhere for them to go, so they were only getting five hours home tuition from the local authority. So um, I got really frustrated with it all in the end. I thought, we can't live like this. My boys are not mixing with anyone. And, you know, they've got social interaction difficulties, so it's going to make it worse if they're just at home all the time. So um, I heard about a school, and they were going to knock it down and build 37 flats, and it was actually really close to where we lived, and I didn't even know it existed because it was down a pathway and it was all overgrown trees and what have you. And it used to be a school for children that had physical disabilities. So I climbed over the fence and I looked into the school and then I thought this is going to be perfect. And it was a school that because the doors weren't wide enough for children with wheelchairs, that they were going to knock it down and build 37 flats. So anyway, so cut a long story short, my husband and I campaigned with lots of other parents who uh, we were rallying around and they leased the school to us um, for 30 years.
0: Amazing, that's such a great story, get you (laughs) honestly you make it all sound so simple so I just found this school around the back of my house, didn't know it was there (laughs) they were going to develop it, I said no, no we've got children that can be in that, that's perfect for my needs and the children it all just happened, it's
1: incredible So 22 years ago um, it was open, 1999 and uh, we celebrated our 20 year anniversary and what the lovely thing is that one of the first kids that um came to the school um is now um, a teaching assistant there so how amazing
0: oh that's just brilliant i love that so that's um, amazingly brilliant i yeah it's just like
1: um yeah, it was. It was an amazing experience. It was definitely a big learning curve setting up a school. I didn't know anything about how to write an advert for a head teacher. <laughs>
0: Anna, yeah. you're hilarious. I'm just going to stop you. It's a, it's a big thing setting up a school. <laughs> it's just, it's. I just got to say, because to our listener out there, I, I'm completely and utterly blown away by the whole concept. You know, a lot of people would. In your situation, finding out that you had one child, let alone both, and then your husband as well, um, that have these difficulties, Asperger's autism, and, you know, your response to to that is, well, I'll just set up, I'll just make my own school for these people that's been overlooked, you know. And And then you just do it, and it just happens. And then 20 years later, the people that you've taught there are then teachers there. It's just just such an incredible mind-blowing story it really is and, and the way you say it is hilarious because it's to me like, it's just like oh, not then this mind-blowing. happened <laughs> yeah, to me it's not mind-blowing it's just like I did it because I had to <laughs> um and my yeah, husband then... I mean I get that but it, seriously it's like some sort of superhero <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't say it like that I'm just saying it like
1: a mom who's just like desperate for the right education for her boys and i've helped yeah. a lot of other children along the way and then as the boys started growing up i was hearing all these horror stories about mental health units sectioning i thought oh god i, I just worry it started worrying me so i said to my husband because yeah. he got an economic that was the other thing i didn't mention he got an economics and management degree uh when he we just got the school so i said oh you'll be great writing the business plan <laughs> so he was like really worried about being part of the school and setting it up because we, you know, what did we know and all the rest of it. And I was the one that kept driving, come on, come on type of thing. So I said, yeah, so we were, you know, we did work together and it did cause a few arguments and it did cause like stress because we were on it all the time. And then trying to bring up two boys as well. And we put all of our money into it and we were like living off nine pence tins of Aldi's beans and on on toast. And it was just, it was stuff we had to do because we had to make it work. But um, as I was saying about all these horror stories for adults, I just said to my husband, you've got to become a solicitor or a barrister because then you can fight for our boys if anything happens as they get older. So do you know what? That's what he did. And he's he's a really fantastic (laughs) barrister. He now fights for people in court that get disability discrimination, special educational needs tribunal. Um, Yeah, so that's what he did. So I just felt we had to plug every hole so that we could, look after our sons but also help as many other um, children and adults as possible and I'm not saying we got it right all the time it was a huge learning curve and as my sister says I couldn't live your life the way you what you do and what you live she said you'd be bored out of your head in my house <laughs>
0: <Just> <laughs> on the, go. the thing the thing is it is the drive it is the drive though and it's I mean, it's not that... I mean, every mother that has a child that's poorly or has got any difficulty in any way wants to help them. But, I mean, what you've done is... I mean, it goes beyond the call of duty, doesn't it? I mean, it's not... You've not just sort of put a safety ring and net around your own children. You've you have helped prepare and put it around so many other people's families. Um, and, you know, that's not... Not what everyone would do is extraordinary, Anna. Whether you want to be called extraordinary or not, you you absolutely are because, you know, there's there, there's doing stuff for your own and your own family, and then there's then there's seeing this huge need and helping so many other people through such a. a trying and difficult time um you, you know you've really got to take every hat in the world off at the moment and tip it in your direction <laughs> and um like you said you know the scary thing now because obviously you did all that 20 years ago and got things in place made your husband become a solicitor <laughs> it's just like incredible um and and now actually i imagine and it's it's what you're saying it's It's instead of getting any easier, it's actually harder because as they get older, you know, they've got to try and live independently, and then, of course, at some point, without you. You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. This would ordinarily be an advertising break, but as I don't yet have an advertiser, why not check out standingoncustard.com, where you can buy all four of my children's books plus my adult comedy book about online dating. All delivered free and signed by me. StandingonCustard.com. Back to the show.
1: So as they got older, (laughs) by thinking where (laughs) they're going to go, especially Angelo, because he's quite profoundly affected and all the like special educational needs colleges of like miles and miles away. And I thought, I don't want to send my son hundreds of miles away. So I thought, I need to set up a college now. So we decided to set up a vocational college and we found a building again. They were going to knock it down. It was uh, actually a hospital site, but it had so many different buildings on it. And it was a lovely site. It was called St. Vincent's. So um, I went and had a little look around um, uh spoke to um, you know people that were there that were leasing it and all the rest of it so again there was so much work that needed to be done. And um, so I met this lady who was, um, they did projects. They were all like uh, working in the Navy, but they did um, projects uh, sort of to get people together and all that sort of thing. So they we had a whole load of Navy people come to do painting, um, uh, all sorts of different jobs and parents again, grandparents who were like corgi gas registered for help with the plumbing and all that sort of thing. So that was another project we did. And that we did that quite quickly. And the reason we did that was because, There was um, one of the chaps that was working with me at the time and wanted to get the school off the ground. His his son was in this mental health unit, which I went to visit. Oh, my God, what an awful place. Um, And he was misdiagnosed with schizophrenia and he didn't have schizophrenia, he had autism. And they'd given him medication for schizophrenia. So that made Mm. him have psychotic episodes. Um, So his father wanted to get him out of this dreadful place. So that's why we decided that we wanted to set up this vocational college and a residential home on the same site. Again, another huge learning curve. um, But we managed (laughs) to do it. Um, I met such an amazing chap, gentleman, sadly he's died now, he's a war veteran, uh, David Kamsler. Uh, He was from Basingstoke. He saw an article that was in the Times newspaper. He wrote to me. He said he wanted to help me. And we just became such good friends. And he used to share his stories. I used to share my stories and he got me so much furniture. And um, I used to get all my paper, like office stuff from him. Um, But, um, yeah, he was such a character. And then um, he got quite ill. And then I just I still used to see him used to go down once every few months with my PA Lisa. We used to take him sausage and chips. That's <laughs> what he wanted. Uh, we used to sit and have them and he used to he had some amazing photographs and medals and everything in his house. Um he's missed his wife that sadly Aww. had died. But oh what an amazing man
0: he was. Um so oh, I yeah. bet he I'd have loved to have had him on here having yeah. a chat about his stories. I can oh, imagine that he had them. millions of them. Yeah. He's an amazing war veteran. So um,
1: yeah, so that we set up the college and that's where Angelo is now. Um, so he started there about five years ago. Uh so and then I decided I needed to set up Anna Kennedy Online because the reason I wanted to set it up was that my parents were writing to me saying they were really struggling with diagnosis, trying to find the right type of skill. Everything I went through and I thought it hasn't really changed that much since no. my boys were diagnosed. So I decided I needed to set up something. And now I've got an amazing team of volunteers. No one gets paid in the charity. We all volunteer. I don't get paid. And we do it because we want to do it. We're driven. Uh, They're mainly parents of children who are autistic or autistic adults themselves. We've got some fantastic role models. Um, and we've got um, patrons and Harvey, as I say, is one of our ambassadors. Katie's one of our ambassadors. Casey Ainsworth, um, who was little more in EastEnders and also in Grantchester. Her husband's got autism and her son. So she uh, supports a lot of the work that I do. Um, so, yeah, we've got a huge um, sort of fan base, if you like, where they're all parents and carers and adult, autistic adults that, you know, they know um that what we do is is because we're driven because of our sons and our daughters and
0: so what you've got now so you've got two schools and and anna kennedy online and two two schools a college
1: and a residential home was what i set up and then last year i decided that um i just wanted to focus on the charities i thought i've created these facilities it's now down to the the head teachers and all the uh people are employed there um I decided that I just want to focus on the charity. And I've got my I'm just doing so many different projects now. Um, Ambassador to lots of different groups and patron and I'm on radio as well. I do that once a week. Uh, All Things Autism in Essex. Sorry, All Things Autism on Women's Radio. And then once a month I do All Things Autism in Essex with one of my ambassadors, Aston, um, who's another amazing chap. Uh, We've got all these events that we've created. Autism's Got Talent, which is fantastic. We're celebrating our 10th year this year, hopefully in October. And we do something called the Charity Autism Hero Awards, where we celebrate people that go the extra mile. So it could be parents, it could be carers, it could be professionals, grandparents, autistic individuals, uh, reporters that write really, really good articles, businesses. Um, We get inundated with um, entries. And then it's down to seven judges, gladly not me, <laughs> that have to choose mm-hmm. three finalists. And they find it so difficult.
0: They find it. It must be hard. Uh, they always ask for extra time. And so if anybody wanted to um, apply for Autism's Got Talent, how do they do that? Everything's on the charity website. So
1: what's happening this year is because last year we had to postpone it because of lockdown and COVID, mm-hmm. we now now... Um, hopefully keeping our fingers struck off that we're going to be able to do it in October so all those 20 performers that we're going to perform last year are going to be performing this year and, but if you are interested, oh. just send in your uh, YouTube clips into the charity. Um, all the information's on the website. You can see our events page, and then we'll hold them until we do the next one next year. Uh, we also do road shows as well. We take it across the country. We go to St. Ives. We've been to my neck of the woods, Middlesbrough. We've been to Liverpool. We've been to Essex. Um, it's amazing. I can't, wow. I can't stress enough how amazing it is. You have to be there. To appreciate what I'm talking about.
0: In fact, I think actually, did you hold one many years ago in a London hotel? Because I think I, I think I was there. Did you have some dancers from Pineapple there?
1: Yep, that, uh, Pineapple from dancers, and we also had a street dance crew as well. Um, and we, I, I, what I do as well is, I when I've asked to speak somewhere or go to an event, I always say, oh, how would you feel about having some of our performers? Um, perform yeah. and usually they say yes so that gives them another yeah. platform for our kids and our adults and also increases their confidence and you, yeah, you never know you never know who could be there as well that sees them I even get um mm-hmm. like Britain's Got Talent always um, message me as well say oh, have you got anyone for the show or um, the voice messages me, the kid's voice. Have you got anyone for the show? So, uh, you know, um, I am known as the Simon Carl of the autism world. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just love autumn's Got Talent. It's like the highlight of my year. I absolutely love working with yeah. the children and the adults. And the best bit is that I can tell you about the show is that when we do the technical rehearsals, they are good when they perform, but you can see they're a bit nervous. But then when they actually come Mm. to the evening and the red carpet's out and, you know, we, we put on the show, they step it up like 200%. And then when they get the applause from everyone and so many standing ovations, you can see their chest puff out, walk off the stage as if they say, I've done this, I can do it, you know, and that, that's the best. Bit oh, for me. it
0: must be magical. Yeah, if
1: that's what I say. You have to be there to appreciate what I'm talking about. So if you get the opportunity yeah. and you see Autumn's Got Talent come to where it is that you are, we want to travel down, and have a day out in London. Go and watch yeah, it when, yeah.
0: when we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. it's soon. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah. 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 It must be just such a really uh, feel good vibe. And it is, and there's nothing like um, watching people that start off you know not particularly confident just growing in confidence yeah. and and you know giving it their all and, and enjoying the sort of adulation and yeah I mean it's it's just such an amazing thing for them and for for everyone it's such a win-win situation isn't yeah, it yeah definitely and then the, the friendships that they create as
1: well behind stage you know some of them haven't got any friends and then what happens is they, after the show they number one is after the show they want to do it again because they love it so much And then they all apply next year (laughs) for the next show. Um, But they also create these friendships. They have like WhatsApp groups where they chat to each other uh, and parents mingling and sharing their stories. And it's just, I I always remember there was a father and son, they're rappers and they've been on quite a few times at Our Autumn's Got Talent. They're called FM Cage Plus 12. They write their own raps. And they said to us is that, when they come to Autumn's Got Talent, they feel like they can just be themselves. They just feel like they've come home.
0: That's wonderful. It, are you still there? Sorry, sorry I my son disappeared was trying there. to
1: ring me and I've just... Um,
0: That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It, if he needs you, you can go. Yeah, I know, not, what, you know, I know it's what it's, it's about. He's pestering me about something. <laughs> is he? What does he want? <laughs> it's
1: just like a video clip he sent me. He's mad about Batman. You know what the thing is with uh, Patrick... He's on furlough. He needs to go back to work. And he said to me, I, I need the structure of work, ma'am. And he's been off for quite a few weeks now. He works at Pinewood Studios. What does he do? Um, he works in the offices at Pinewood Studios. He absolutely loves it. Oh, how interesting. So, yeah. And the most exciting thing for him is, because he's um, mad about paleontology and um, dinosaurs, he was given the opportunity to have a little peek when they were making Jurassic World.
0: Jurassic. Was, oh. Like, beside himself. <laughs> well, wouldn't you be? Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. That's like the dream, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's like some of the props and things he could see,
1: but it was not, uh, it was like he had to keep it quiet and all the rest of it. So he hasn't taken any photographs or anything, yeah. but he was just able to see a few of the props and what have you. So
0: That's incredible. But like you say, though, again, this is another thing that's obviously hit people that have any um, d- additional needs and difficulties, this um, lockdown because routine is hugely important to anybody with autism and those sorts of needs. So the fact that if if they have been furloughed, that's going to have affected them. I mean, it's affected everyone pretty badly, but people that are absolutely tied to to routine, it must be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, he is is struggling
1: now. It was was like great, the first sort of, two weeks you know hey i'm on furlough you know free <laughs> like tuesdays and thursdays and obviously he's got work that he has to do but then now it's like the novelty's worn off he needs to go back to work um but a lot of yeah. families are saying it's really tough for them you've got other families that say it's nothing really that new for us because um you know my son hasn't got a school to go to so he's at home anyway and um, some families are saying that their kids behaviors have improved since they've been at home because they don't have to have the pressures of school or any bullying that they may have been experiencing at school so some so it's it's all a little bit different for each family it just depends obviously yeah. it's, it can be stressful for families that maybe their parents have lost their jobs and um, sadly I know of some people yeah. you know the parent one parent has died of COVID it's not good I, I can't wait till we get back to normal Whatever that may be.
0: So I'm presuming. So your did your schools and colleges obviously shut, or did did they re- manage to remain open? It's Been a bit of off and on, and the reason
1: being is that staff getting um, diagnosed, and then ah. after the schools, then it would close for two weeks, and it's been it's been very bitty, sort of bit bit off and on, which I suppose is a little bit more unsettling than being off the whole mm, time.
0: That is quite challenging isn't it in, in and of itself it's all very well being told that you can't do any work or go in and and then you can sort of make uh, allowances and adjust but it, when it's one minute you're in the next minute you're out and yeah. as we was just saying especially if you know routine and and having sort of a structure is massively important yeah. then it makes it even tougher and plus yeah. a lot
1: of children and adults are not suited to online learning even people that you know obviously haven't got special education needs they just find it really difficult
0: well the thing is it's a real strain. I mean my my husband's a teacher and he had to teach online for that whole time and he's he obviously just went back this week. Yeah. Um but you know his, he's he was suffering from headaches from staring at the screen all day cuz that's not what a teacher signs up to. He was suffering with back pain because of sat being sat down all day. Again that's not something he he did. So you know it affects you know everybody um suddenly saying okay you, you your basic outlook for the day is your computer <laughs> enjoy
1: and the thing is when you're um on the computer all the time it's like it's for me it like it's like my eyes have been sucked out of my head <laughs> 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 it's just it's only so long that it can be on the computer for or, or your phone or yeah. whatever it is however you it is that you're working you've got to go out for walks and like that's what I've been yeah. doing and or doing because I love my dancing so you know, I'll have a little mad dance in the office and I'll share it on social media and they'll go, go on, Anna.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. It's good that you're still dancing. So do you have lessons still now? Did, did Robin teach stay with you for lessons? Or- um, well, we
1: did. 2015 was when we obviously did the show. And then um, after that, I did a few shows with him. And then um, I was asked to do a tour with them. So I, I danced at about nine different theatres, which was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Um, But obviously, uh, nobody's been able to do anything for like ages. Mm. So um, for Christmas, I asked Robin if he would do a a quiz and a little dance for my volunteers. So we were all online doing that. Well, Zumba used to be my thing. um, And I used to do that. Oh, I love Zumba too. Yeah. I I did it on a Thursday night. Uh, I I used to call it my autism free zone. Um, and, um, but obviously now it's online and I must admit, I don't like doing dance lessons online. So I just do my own thing. So I make sure I do 10 minutes at some point during the day where I just do a bit of exercise or do a bit of dancing and it's just a bit, just a let off steam.
0: Would you advise that to everyone? Cause I, I think that's interesting that, that you said it's my autism free zone. I think if you were sort of advising anyone caring in any capacity for either elderly or children or a partner that, um to set aside a certain amount of time for for yourself
1: yeah I set up a campaign called take five um, and what I'm saying to people is that you don't want to burn out because then if you do burn out you're no good to anyone so I know it's hard Mm. especially now um, and obviously one parent families it's hard for them too but just try and get some time for you your me time so whether it's a walk around the block whether it's you know going in the bath and having a glass of wine and Sit with a few candles or whatever, whatever it is that rocks your boat, that um, you know, it helps you to recharge your batteries. You need to do it. So for me, as I say, it's just ten minutes every day, doing a bit of dancing or a bit of exercise, and then at the weekend I do um, a lot of walking with my son Angelo. Uh, we go to the various different parks, and that's another good stress buster. Because um, Angelo walks quite quickly, he's like Robocop, so um, <laughs> I walk quite quickly now with him, and he helps me sort of keep fit. And then we stop off at the cafe get like a drink and a piece of lemon cake or whatever it is that he wants. But that was difficult as well because everything's changed now. You can't sit here and you can't yeah. do this. And because of Angelo likes his routine and uh, he was looking quite puzzled, even like something has put my face mask on. He, he wasn't sure about that. He was trying to take it off. He just won't wear one at all. So we always go mm. really early in the morning to the park because it's less busy because all of the families have mm-hmm. got kids with disabilities there what's all these people going to the park? They never used to go when we were. <laughs> now we have, you know, we have to choose our times because if it gets too busy, it can get a bit stressful for families who've got uh, yeah. adults on the spectrum. So that's why I always go really early, go about quarter past nine because um, the cafe's open at half nine. So we walk half the way around, get to the cafe, get our drink and sausage roll or whatever it is that we want, and then we eat it and then off we go. When did you last have a, an actual holiday,
0: Anna? Hey, I
1: haven't had a holiday for years, mm. years, years. We used to go on holiday together, but it was so stressful that we decided it wasn't a good idea. And Plus, my husband just doesn't like holidays. He likes being at home. Um, so I think the last time we went on holiday all together was probably about 15 years ago. My break is when we go to St. Ives to do Autism's awesome Got Talent and we go there on a Friday. We come back on a Sunday. And we have a little bit of time at, at St. Ives and obviously we put on the show. I love it there. Oh, I just wish it yeah. was so much closer. <laughs> Because I'd be going there every week. <laughs> I just, it just yeah, yeah. Like you're in
0: Britain, just like uh, so lovely there. I love it. Hey, but I was just thinking, because you know, all all the things that you've done in your life, it's been because you've needed it, and it's not been there, so you've made it materialise out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh well, if she hasn't been on holiday for 15 years and she needs a holiday, perhaps the next thing <laughs> is a holiday centre. <laughs> Oh, For all yeah. the people that need holidays yeah. but can't have them in the, in the usual fashion. <laughs> yeah, I go to visit my mum
1: who lives in the northeast and there's a place in Great Aiton and um, Angelo can just got caught with a long weekend. So I take Angelo, it's a long drive obviously from uh, London to Middlesbrough and then we go to this um, place called Eastgate Farm. And there's about five uh, cabins on there, and there's like uh, two-bedroom ones and four-bedroom ones, and it's so lovely there. You can see roseberry topping, and it's about six miles away from where my mom lives, so she comes to see us. You know, it's like self-catering, and then we go for walks, and it's near Redcar seaside, or we could go to Whitby. So that's like our long weekend. But the difficult part of that for me is that Angelo finds it difficult to sleep in a new place, or so, I usually need ah. a week to get over the weekend.
0: So you, you are quite nocturnal then by, by nature, I suppose, now. You you weren't, but obviously with um Just grab sleep when I can. Um, the most Ansholo sleeps is about three to four hours, if we're lucky. We have
1: had all-nighters where he hasn't been to sleep at all, but I am aware now, you know, he's 27. And I think, you no, know, I'm not going to be able to look after him all the time. I realised I, I was, like, very, very stressed last year because it was my 60th birthday, and I just thought, oh,
0: like sixty, I'm getting old. <laughs> it was just like I was so you, well. For one thing, Anna, you don't look even remotely when you when we started this conversation with you uh, tap dancing for sixpence in a cellar. I was like, well, I can't, I can't quite even equate that to how you look. <laughs> Because it doesn't seem like it could possibly be true.
1: And I just kept going on about it. My sister was saying, Can you shut up? And then Melissa Lisa was opposite me, the PS. She said, You don't even look your age. I said, Yes, but I am 60. And so now. Yeah,
0: that, I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? You, yeah. Whether you look it or not, that's yeah. our ages and yeah. that, you, nothing you could do about it. <laughs> I
1: know, I know, but I don't feel it at all. I've got a lot of energy. I have got a lot of drive in me, you know, and I'm 61 on Friday. And again, that's just like, I can't, when I say it, it makes me want to go,
0: this Friday. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So oh, happy birthday for Friday. Oh, thank you.
1: But um, I'm going to be in the office at my own, so I'm going to um, put the music on start dancing. <laughs> Do I'll some dancing. my own, my own your, Did you
0: get to keep any
1: of your Strictly outfits? I had to buy, but there was two. Oh. We had um, the group number one, and my costume used to be Caroline Flats. Um, and oh. uh, she was an amazing dancer on Strictly. Uh, and um, yes. her costume I, I bought that one, but I had to buy it for six hundred pounds. <laughs> six hundred pounds! <gasps> I love it, and I've worn it so many times. Um, obviously because I was dancing. Well, I think
0: you need to put it up, pop it on on Friday, love. <laughs> Have a dance around the kitchen. <laughs> and then the purple one that I wore for the Charleston with
1: um, Robin. Um, that was like seven hundred and fifty quid. I thought, nah. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll get the white one. I really like it, and because it was like Caroline Flax, and it was like they adapted it for me as well. So I, I decided I wanted to keep that one.
0: Well, so um what what's next for you then, um Anna Kennedy, birthday lady this week? <laughs> what's the next uh, what's the next cunning plan or plot that you're
1: um Well, we're hoping that obviously we could do our events, um because we're like yeah. we're just you know, we're chomping at the bit all of us. We're all missing them so to get going. Yeah, so September hopefully a bit Saint Ives. October it'll be at the Mermaid Theatre in London. And then November at the Chelsea Harbour Hotel for the Hero Awards. Um, we're doing
0: oh,
1: a, an expo. Normally we'd do autism expo at Brunel University. But we're going to be doing it online um, at the end of this month. So um, if anyone's right. interested, we've got seven speakers. Uh, and then uh, I do. we do a lot of workshops online. So we've done them with Carrie Grant. Uh, because obviously she's got um, quite a few children that have um, got special educational needs and disability. Um, did it with Casey Ainsworth. Um, I'm doing stuff with Katie Price, quite a bit of stuff with Katie. Um, we're doing a, her, um, an autism chat show that's going to be on her YouTube channel. So we're going to do one of those a month. Katie's got her um, second part of her Harvey and Me documentary, and apparently um, I probably be in that too.
0: Just listening to that list of <laughs> that list of things that amazing things that you're doing uh, the rest of this year what do you think you as a little girl if if you could go back and i don't know have a little whisper in the ear of your i don't know 6 year old self i know what you're trying to say i i
1: always say to parents never give in someone tells you no find someone who's going to say yes so i always i know it's just saying that it's been kicking around for a while but it's always been my saying either give up give in or give it all you've got and then some
0: you know so many people get sucked into the the negatives of the situation yeah and uh, allow the weight of it to to destroy them or become so heavy that it creates in and of itself more problems but you know the way you've looked at life and you've hit head on every challenge that's sort of come your way it's, it's incredible and an absolute testament to you and probably your father.
1: <laughs> Thank you. But what I'd like to say is that, you know, it is hard. I'm not saying it's a bed of roses. There are some really, really tough days. And as I say, some days good, some days not so good. But with this complicated special education needs and disability system it is complicated if you're finding it overwhelming find somebody that can help you there's always somebody out there whether it's a support group or even like social media can be a really positive tool so, um, I know it's got some negatives, but it has got some positives as well, and I don't know everything that there is to know about awesome. No one can. and if I don't know anything, I'll just say, "Hello Facebook friends or "Hello Twitter friends, I need your help." And there's always people that jump Yep, yeah, I know where that, I know where she can go, or I know somewhere in Liverpool or I know somewhere in Manchester. There's just no way I could know everything. So there is always and don't be afraid to ask. doesn't mean that you failed. it just means you need some help and everyone needs help in life so you know and always look after yourself look after your mental health and your well-being because you are the linchpin you and your husband or you and your carer whoever it is that's at home you are the linchpin to the family to help your sons and daughters navigate this complicated system it is complicated
0: but it's not impossible and that's the main thing yeah definitely well Anna thank you so very much for coming on to Real Folk it really means a lot and I think it's really important and helpful for for people to to hear such an inspiring story in it and it really is and we didn't even touch on your your OB your OBE does the queen give you that she
1: did my mother in law and my mother were beside themselves because they were there because you tick, oh. tick to people so um yeah, she gave me um, the OBE, and she said she asked me how my boys were getting on and how was the school, and then, you know, you had to practice the curtly and all those sort of things. That was quite, it just felt like a big blur. And then it, that was in the morning, and then in the afternoon I went home and um, I was sorting the washing out, and then the toilet was blocked,
0: and I thought, <laughs>
1: oh, I'm meeting the Queen, I wouldn't block in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can't get um you can't write that stuff can you there
1: you go that's life for you feet firmly on the ground you know for me that's I, right. I always say to my sister am i still the same she said yes still bad
0: well yours are firmly on the ground but they're sort of tap dancing aren't they yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good one thank you so very much thank you well,
1: thank you for asking me and everyone please keep safe keep strong one day at a time we'll get there
0: And it's Anna Kennedy Online if anyone would like any help or assistance or to apply to Autism's Got Talent. That's right. It's
1: www.annakennedyonline.com. I'm on social media every day, you know, sharing stuff that I'm doing. So if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke.